The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports Station. Jerry, are you being mobbed everywhere you go? Everyone wants to talk about the Mariners right now? Yeah, from, from my office to my living room. They're all mobbing me. <laughs> the dogs are after you? That's exactly right. Licking my legs and, you know, trying to see if I want to come to the dinner table. <laughs> Who can blame them? Um, all right, we got a lot. Let's see if we can dig right into it. Uh, we talked to you last right after uh, the first outing for Luis Castillo, and then we got another chance to see him on Tuesday night. I want to get to the whole game on Tuesday in general because it was just so much fun. But what did you think of his second outing? Uh, second outing was dominant. It, actually, that that game in general might have been the single best regular season game I've ever watched. Just the, you know, it, it looked like two heavyweight fighters just exchanging blows, which uh, the Yankees, I, I think, from a national perspective, you expect that of, but I think that might have surprised the rest of the world uh, from the Mariners. And, and you know, Luis Castillo is the, the starter of that. You know, eight innings of what I thought was just pure dominance. The stuff, the location, the poise, the moxie, I thought yeah, he brought it all. Yeah, he's got quite the presence. I mean, I, you know, you can kind of hear about the stuff, from afar or, you know, watch some of the video, but really watching him over the course of a game, I was really struck by his presence on the mound. Yeah. You know, you saw it in that first outing in New York where, you know, it's not an easy picture to paint where you are going in, you're making your second start out of your last three at Yankee stadium versus what has been the best offense in baseball, really in, in a hostile environment debuting for your new team and and to keep yourself together to stay as composed as Luis was in that outing you know really made you look forward to the next all right if he handles himself that well in that environment how will he do at home and you know and, and then lo and behold the crowd brought it you know they brought it for this entire homestand but especially you know what they were able to do in the Yankee series and Tuesday night to create a playoff-like environment because it felt that way yeah, it, it seemed like they, just like you said, uh, one of the great games you've ever watched, it seems like they recognized that they were in the middle of watching something special and reacted to it as well. I, I can't tell you I've ever seen anything quite like that game. And just the two bullpens going back and forth, I can't believe there wasn't a single player, a single fastball thrown under 95 miles an hour until the 10th inning. I mean, can, can you imagine what would have what that would have been like when you were playing? Well, there weren't enough pitchers in the league that threw 95 mile an hour fastballs then to make that possible right <laughs> much less in one game and and i you know the, the fact i think it was 162 consecutive fastballs that were 95 miles an hour or more Jeez. and i and it wasn't just that they were 98 it was 98 with movement life and location and there, there were so many things happening the secondary weapons that we were seeing in that game and now the, I, I felt badly for hitters because that's how spectacular the pitching was. And, and yet you looked up and, and, you know, the zero zero score really belied how much action there was in that game. That Matt Brash play was one of the most bizarre, incredible and cool moments I've seen on a baseball field. What was your reaction as it happened? I think the, the probably the same as everybody else. Throw your hands up in the air over your head and say, "No way, that just happened." But <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, give Matt credit. Super athletic, 
by by pitcher standards or anyone. He's he's one of the more athletic guys on our team, and and uh, I'm not sure that you can practice that play. <laughs> Truly, it's it's just one of those things that happens, you know, instinctually. And and he he not only caught the ball behind his back, but stayed composed enough to remember what the situation was, despite the fact that he didn't put the runner on second base. You know, that's uh that's a lot happening in a, in a small window for a young pitcher after he just made an adrenaline rush type play where sometimes you lose the moment he didn't. And, and the fact that we were able to turn that into two outs was I both amazing and, and afterward pretty funny. Like, I mean, you're, I don't think you'll ever see that play again in your, in your baseball life. No, I, I would agree with that. It's funny. He, we talked to him yesterday and he said he's tried to make that play a million times in his life. And that's the first time he's ever caught one behind his back like that. Just, I mean, what are the odds, right? Very low, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Have you ever made a play like that in your years of pitching? Have you ever made one of those behind-the-back types of catches? No, you swing your glove frequently. You know, it's, a, it's as a pitcher, a natural instinct is when the ball's behind you that way, you do swing your glove in that direction. And I've clipped a ball, I've knocked one down, but you never catch it clean like that. <laughs> and, you know, I've seen pitchers do it before, but to, to do it in that moment uh, when when the game was that magnified was phenomenal. Jared, why do you think this team has been so good in one-run games for going on two years now? You know, I, I did see a quote from Paul uh, yesterday, and, and I think, and I've said this through the years, this is something we do. You know, the Mariners have done this even prior to this group, just, in, you know, during our time here, you know, my, my time, Scott's time, and, and Scott and our staff have become very adept at managing those close games and, and remaining calm in the, in the big moments and, and when the game gets tight. And I've always believed that your team takes on the characteristics characteristics of its leadership. And, you know, Scott does handle those situations very well. We've we've gone out and we've we've played these games over and over, year after year. And I think as a result, you know, the, the players become very comfortable in situations that others maybe not as comfortable. And uh, I I do think there's something to that. Experience lends itself to us performing well in those moments. One thing I notice is that they they don't make a lot of mistakes in general. I mean the the Mariner the the Scott Service led Mariners have not made a lot of base running errors or you know throwing to the wrong base or any of those things. Do you think Scott is does he teach those fundamentals or stress them in a way that is unique? Oh, I think so. You know, and but I, I will say this of the teams that I've been with, the managers I've worked with or or played for, I, I do think that most managers take great pride in preparing their teams to do the little things. I, I, we have, we have great students in addition to great programs and, and stressing those, those details. And, and I think like so many of the other systems we run, uh, the, the focus on the small thing for us is, is something we stress every day. It's not just a spring training thing. It's an everyday thing. And, and that goes from Scott service to Perry Hill and what he does with our infielders you know, to Chris Negron and Manny Acta and the roles they play with our outfielders and our base runners. It's, you know, it's, it's such a, a detail oriented environment and we never let up off the gas in that category. And, and therefore our players make it a priority rather than a small secondary thought. I'm sure it doesn't hurt having six guys coming out of your pen with ridiculous sliders. 
you know, that's the thing that really stood out the the entire homestand, really, because the bullpen, you know, took with the the the, the added game with the split doubleheader last Saturday, and and you know the consecutive games, the stress levels, and 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 the the severity of the scoreboard. <laughs> you know, I mean, every day you're looking up there, and they're close games, and and your bullpen is really playing a key role, and and they really since the All Star break have been phenomenal in a way that they they were great for months prior to that but stepping up against the Astros against the Yankees in these situations and bringing the stuff every night has been so fun to watch yeah you know I was thinking about it you know first of all how you had to rebuild this pen a little bit over the course of this year right and and some of the guys that started in it either were injured or, or were ineffective and a new group has kind of come around but I was. I wanted to ask you, and maybe we've talked about this in the past, but the the decision not to go with a strict closer who comes in in the ninth inning, but to do what you call it a committee approach or what I would consider almost a common sense approach of using the right the right pitcher for the right situation. How did you guys set about making a plan to implement that? and sell it to the players who we'd always heard needed to have on the closer, on the setup guy, et cetera. How did you, how did you work on communicating that? You know, it's an area where I think Scott and our staff have been awesome and and continue to be, but you know, the, the easy answer to the question is, at the end of the 2018 season, we traded Eddie Diaz, who was a premium closer, you know, at the time, perhaps the best closer in baseball. And, and maybe that, guy again but you know from 2019 through present day we never focused on having a single closer and and starting really in 2020 during the the pandemic summer you know that that was a two-year stretch of 19 and 20 where we really didn't have uh, the same type of bullpen that we had from 16 to 18 and then and then in the time since we were we were searching for the right guys who could handle that high leverage situation and and you know once you find one you you put them onto the you know, into the the high leverage bucket and you know and then we started focusing on the various parts of the game and matchups that come throughout the the game rather than just can we get the ball to so and so in the ninth inning and and uh, and that evolved into maybe my favorite part of what we do which is you know a collaboration amongst our analysts and our coaches our pitching people scott you know where we sit down and we go through that lineup every day with a fine-tooth comb uh, in the afternoon before the game ever starts talking about the various situations and matchups that may occur and who are our best options and and as a result the pitching moves that we make are almost never surprising to any of us because it's Scott is so in tune with what we've done before that game starts in, in, in preparation for that moment that the moment just be, simply becomes identifying it soon enough to get the right guy up. And I think Scott has become, in my opinion, the best guy in the league at doing that. Yeah, I really agree with that. I think it's I, I couldn't agree more. It's what one of his great strengths, and I think we've talked about quite a few of them. Uh, he, he said yesterday that Chris Flexen's going to go to the bullpen. What does this look like? Because you, you mentioned, I think it was last week, that you were talking about maybe a piggyback scenario with some of your starters. What's the hope with or the plan there with Flexen? You know, our, our thought process, we talked through it. Would we do a piggyback? Would we do a six-man rotation? Would we just you know, send a, one of the starters to the bullpen and, and allow it to roll the way it was rolling? And, you know, most of, of what we've done is 
trying to make sure that we preserve the the the, the ability for our starting pitchers to impact the game and and uh, and we've talked a lot about George's innings and, and more importantly his stress level and when we sat down and talked about it and more importantly when we asked George George feels great and you know he's not feeling the stress of the innings that he's building up right now and and we're just going to take it, you know, game by game and, and allow him to pitch, albeit on a, on a pitch limit, and, which has always been the case. But uh, it's, uh, we're going to let him go until we see the stress starting to pile up rather than, you know, create a unique situation like a piggyback or use six starters and minimize the value of these guys taking the mound every fifth day. Because you want Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray and Logan Gilbert and Mark, you want those guys out there. Uh, so, and we thought uh, that among the pitchers we had, the guy who would adapt best to a bullpen role uh, because he's done it more often in his career was Flex. And uh, unsurprisingly, he was willing to, to jump into the bullpen and, and contribute. And I think the answer we got from, from everyone we t- spoke with was, hey, just want to win. And, and that's the answer we got from Chris. That's pretty awesome. Uh, un- tough decision, I'm sure, yesterday uh, to send Kyle Lewis back to Tacoma what um, what did you see from him in this stint back in the majors? You know, you just I think you're just seeing a lack of of playing time, a lack of at bats. Uh, Kyle is incredibly talented. Obviously, his career in general, and particularly this year, has been starts and stops. But you know, he had been in a particularly uh, deep funk with the bat, and we just feel like it's best, especially at his age, with the level of experience that he has, to go back to play regularly, to get his ABs, and hopefully get his bat going because we really do see impact in, in his bat potential, and and we've seen it play out on a major league field, and that can be a huge help to us. But right now, it's, there's not a great opportunity, and you know we've got Hanniger, but we do expect to get Julio back here very quickly, and. You know, the combination of Jesse Winker, Sam Haggerty, Dylan Moore, it just gives us a lot of, you know, ways to put a lineup out on the field. And, and this is a great time for us to take advantage of that depth by sending Kyle back just to get his bat going. How careful are you being with Julio? Uh, very careful. And, and the way we should be, frankly, with, with all of our players is make sure that they are healthy when they step on the field. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a, you don't get hit with a, a 98 mile an hour fastball on the wrist and it just magically feels better the next day. It's probably going to bother him in some way for the rest of the year. You know, you're going to feel it in there. But as long as we know there's no structural damage, as long as, as he knows he can execute his best swing with consistency and let it rip, uh, so to speak, then we'll be satisfied and he'll walk out there in the starting lineup. And, and we do anticipate that that's coming here quickly. And, and we'll find out this afternoon when he takes his, his next round of, of batting practice. And we'll determine at that point whether he'll be in there tomorrow. What, um, what have you seen from Jared Kelnick this time through? Uh, a much calmer version of Jared than I think we've ever seen. You know, his, uh, he's had the, the big moment in New York and, and there hasn't been uh, you know, a, a bevy of hits flying around. But Jared's he's he's carrying himself in a much more uh, I guess reserved way than we've seen in the past, and uh, it's it, it's been a, a unique season for him. He's learning things and he is experiencing things that he's never experienced before. You know, be that you know going up and going down, be that experiencing failure at the major league level, and, and then going back to the to learn those lessons in the minor leagues. And, you know, it's a process that goes quicker for some than for others. And, and we're going to be patient watching it happen for him. 
It seems like his at-bats have been a little bit better, has been just my impression that he's grind, grinded through them a little bit more. I, I've been surprised, though. It seems like he's he's missed some of the opportunities with mistakes in the zone. And it, it's I, I would think that over time, that's the thing that really would set him apart because he's, he's doing so well against minor league pitching. Yeah, it's a, you know, I, I once was told that the, the difference between the big leaguers and the minor leaguers is that the big leaguers don't miss the mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the, that's when I was coming up through the minor league chain and, and, uh, you know, never really thought about it too much after I got to the big leagues because my general sense was, yeah, they miss the mistakes too from time to time. <laughs> and, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to hit. But you know, th- there is something to be said for they do it far less frequently. And uh, you know, the, the better the player, the more likely it is that he's not going to let the mistake get by him. But, you know, it's a, it, again, that's a lesson you learn. It's, it's learning how to control your heartbeat in those big moments and, and not letting the speed of the game move you along. It, is, is allow your body to do that. Allow your mind to do that. And I do think we're seeing some of those adjustments from J.K. You know, his uh, – He's much he's much calmer in the box right now. Speaking of speed, um, is it possible? I know we sort of talked a little bit about him last week. Is it possible Sam Haggerty is this good? It's it's been awesome to watch. I, it may be the most fun that we have every day is smiling every time something every time Sam does something else that's that's just awesome in a game. And it's the diving catches. It's the he's a wonderful base runner. He's the, He's spraying the ball around. The hitting the ball out of the ballpark is a new element that we couldn't have possibly expected, uh, and it's it's really fun to watch. And there's no reason why he couldn't be. He's a great athlete. He's got a he's got a good way about him. And and as I've said before, he is he is extremely confident in his abilities. And and you're not able to do these things in these moments unless you are. And and if you have all those things, athletic ability, baseball skill, confidence in what you do. Sam's always had a good swing and you know, a switch hitter who can run. That's a, that's a great commodity and can't, can't feel better for a person for what Sam went through to get to this point And the fact that he's delivering the way he is. Well, and I wonder if, you know, the bases get a little bit bigger next year and it's easier to steal bags. If a, a guy who can run like that becomes even more valuable, could you see him having a shot at being the everyday second baseman next year? You know, we'll have to see where he goes defensively. I think the biggest thing for Sam coming into spring training this year was that he's, you know, he had had some arm issues and he missed, you know, most almost all of last season recovering from, uh, you know, some, some arm elbow issues. And, and, you know, that was the big impetus behind not playing him at second basis frequently earlier in the year, especially in the spring. We were waiting for Sam to, to tell us, I feel good throwing. So uh, if that continues to be the case, I'm watching him throw from the outfield right now, and it, it seems you know much easier for him and certainly not reserved in any way. And I guess that allows you to consider second base as that's his natural position. And if, uh, if that's something he can bring to the table next year, we're just a better, deeper team for it. Can you explain Carlos Santana? I mean, a, a guy that has struggled for like long periods of this season, but in big moments seems to rise to the occasion. How, how does that happen? I said he's got, he really has that gene. Carlos in in that big moment when you need it the most, when you're not expecting it, has uh, has delivered so frequently for our team in such a short period of time. And then you go back look at his track record, and you know he has been that guy, whether it was in Philadelphia or Cleveland, you know through what's been a really long career, 
hitting the big clutch homer is kind of what Carlos does. <laughs> I, I, I was told yesterday that, uh, you know, he's, he's the seventh inning or later, the, the, the go ahead homer. He's hit that, he's hit that homer 14 times in his career, which is, uh, is more than any other player in baseball in that time period. That's, uh, when you do that, it's a knack. It's, it's, it, and you can tell through Carlos's approach, even just by looking at his baseball reference page, you know, he walks a lot. He strikes out a little. He hits the ball out of the ballpark. Tells you that, you know, he's generally a patient hitter who's able to maintain control over what's happening in, in the moment. And uh, I don't know how that explains hitting homers at the clip he does in those big moments, but I look forward to the next one. I can say that because he's bailed us out a couple of times. Jerry, who has not gotten enough credit on this team? I mean, who who does more to help this team but gets talked about the least? Wow, that's a that's a great question. I, they all contribute in so many ways. You know, this is a, it's this is the most complete. You know, twenty six man new hero every day type roster I've ever been associated with. You know, I would say over the course of the last couple of months. If you had to pick one guy that fit the the bill of they don't get enough credit, it's probably Cal. Uh, the the weight that he has carried behind the plate, the the way he has handled our pitching staff so adeptly, uh, doing it at such a young age, and and the power that he brought to our lineup in in a time where we really needed someone to step up. Uh, we've talked about it, you know. We've we've praised Cal for the adjustments that he's made, and and people have obviously noticed. But on on that that team of of guys that have all stepped up and you know he's probably the one that hasn't gotten enough credit because of the 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 burden he's carried on on both workload and what he's doing behind the plate the the two-way player that he's become i had a feeling that would be your answer the other the other one i thought of was maybe dylan moore because of his ability to to get on base that you know you, you look at his numbers and the batting average is sub 200 et cetera, and i think he's second or third on the team and on base percentage pretty remarkable that's it. Demo has really made that a part of his skill set, you know, and uh, he's, he's a guy that went, you know, since he was a minor league free agent uh, before we, we signed him, it's a, it, you can go back and look at Dylan's transaction history and see that we thought he was capable of this. Uh, you know, he's a, he had never had a day of major league experience. We signed him to a major league contract as a free agent and then brought him into to spring training with the idea that he was going to be our utility guy. We, we saw the defensive versatility in the base running, and, and what we didn't see was the fact that he really embraces that versatility. And to be good at the job that Dylan does on our team, where he plays every position on the field at a moment's notice, and he's good at every one of those positions. You know, he's, he's as I've said before in the past, if he's not our, our best base runner, he's the next best base runner. He's, he's excellent on the bases. He can run, and, and he doesn't care what position you play him. He just wants to impact the game that day. And, and uh, it's, I've said before, I've said it about Adam Frazier. I've said it about Sam Haggerty. I'll say it about Dylan Moore. Winning teams have those guys. And Demo has been a huge value to our team and will continue. He's, I know he's, he, is a, he is that guy that makes everybody else better, truly better, because 
they won't be required to do as much on a given day because Dylan's there. Well, I'll tell you what, Jerry, last year at the end of the year was as fun as baseball had been in this town in a while. And I think this last week has been even better. Just just these last couple of really just even the last two days, but just the fun factor with this team and kind of where they have the ability to go. It's a it's a blast to watch. It's even more fun to talk about. Thank you. And uh, we'll do this again next week. All right, Mike. Look forward to it.